In today's episode of Crypto Over Coffee, I'm sharing with you the truth about the Ethereum merge and what it means for the price of Ether. But that is not all. We've got news about Ethereum Classic's insane surge, a leadership change at Algorand, Uniswap's potentially dangerous upgrade, and a 404 logic not found of epic proportions related to Harmony One, all of which is brought to you by the kind folks at Over. More on that later. That said, you know the drill, grab your coffee, make sure you're subscribed and stick around for the whole episode. Oh, and by the way, beware of scammers. I will not reach out to you on social media or in the YouTube comments, so please be careful. Thank you to Onyx Coffee for the awesome Columbia Geisha coffee. So my friends, it's time to do a bit of uh, myth busting, if you will, as it relates to the great Ethereum merge, which to this day is still one of the most significant yet misunderstood events in the history of cryptocurrency. Now, I'm going to break down the most prevailing myths, the inconvenient truths, and then wrap it all up with the silver lining in all of this for you Ether holders out there. As you may know, towards the end of summer or early fall, so probably in the September timeframe, the Ethereum mainnet will undergo an upgrade dubbed the merge, which will take the smart contract execution environment from the Ethereum network we know and use today, the one that uses proof of work consensus, it will merge that execution layer with the consensus layer that's currently active in the Ethereum beacon chain that operates today in the shadows. This will bring a new generation of Ethereum with proof of stake consensus at its core, but all the smart contract execution goodness and dApp goodness that we know right back where we started, right? Right back with the Ethereum execution layer. And this will reduce the total energy consumption of the network by over 99%, laying the foundation for a five plus year roadmap of further upgrades to come to Ethereum. However, the most pervasive of all myths related to Ethereum's merge is that this is going to do anything to solve the pain that users feel with high gas fees and slow transaction times on the Ethereum mainnet. The inconvenient truth is you will see little to no improvement in scalability for Ethereum after the merge, which means little to no relief in gas fees and low transaction throughput. Instead, Ethereum is going to rely increasingly more heavily on layer two networks for the scalability, which offer lower fees and much faster transactions, just a layer above the mainnet. In fact, the very same technologies that Ethereum's roadmap defines as the answer to scalability, ZK rollups, are now coming to Layer 2 networks in the form of ZK Sync by Matter Labs and the recently announced ZK EVM by Polygon. If you're unfamiliar with this whole idea of Layer 1 versus Layer 2, here's the deal. Layer 1 is the base layer. That's a blockchain like Ethereum with a high degree of security and finality, but maybe not incredible scalability. A layer two, on the other hand, is a network that sits above that layer one, providing scalability, lower fees, and deriving its security from the layer one by publishing proofs of blocks or transactions to that layer one for finality. So executing on a layer two and establishing security and finality on the layer one. This whole vision for layer two is something that Vitalik Buterin alluded to in his talks around Ethereum's future towards the tail end of 2021. And he described the shift from Ethereum being a layer one centric ecosystem where everyone uses the Ethereum layer one to a layer two centric ecosystem where you scale using rollups and other technologies that derive security from layer one, but you do a lot of that work elsewhere. Many Ethereum critics will say that this means that Ethereum cannot fathom to compete with other layer ones that scale at that base layer more effectively. However, stick around because I'm gonna talk more about that in a minute. I don't think that's correct. 
The second inconvenient truth, though, about the Ethereum merge is one that I suppose is maybe subjective to perspective, depending on whether you're an Ether holder or an Ether staker. But those who are currently locked up in stake in an Ethereum proof of stake validator on the Beacon chain will not be able to withdraw their staked Ether right after the merge. Instead, those who are currently locked in stake will face a potentially year-long wait to withdraw their Ether should they so desire after the merge. And that queued or gradual withdrawal will be dependent on a future upgrade to facilitate. So we don't really know exactly what that's gonna look like. Now again, if you're an Ether holder, you're probably not so upset about this because it means more Ether supply is gonna be locked up and not dumped on the market all at once, hence less sell pressure. And there's 13 plus million Ether in stake right now, so that's probably a good thing. Those who may want out of Ether but are stuck with it may not be so happy though. And it's hard to say how many people this will actually affect because I'm sure a lot of people that are in Ethereum validators are in Ethereum for the long term. But it was fairly clear that those who staked way back when would take a long time, an uncertain time, to be able to sell. So we shall see. But a lot of people have that misconception that it'll be released when the merge happens. This brings me, though, to a much bigger point, which I guess you could classify as the third inconvenient truth or myth about Ethereum's merge, which is that many people are operating under this notion that the upgrade will inevitably send Ether's price sky high not only because of its significance, but because the upgrade will shift Ethereum's token economics to a deflationary model. In other words, more Ether will be removed from supply through operations than is created by way of the block subsidy as new blocks of transactions are validated. This irrefutably positive sign for Ether's long-term price projections is great, but I wanna quell any expectations of guaranteed price explosion of Ether. Nothing is guaranteed in crypto. History dictates to us that buy the rumor, sell the news is also a prevailing thought here. People are so hyped up about this upgrade that I predict a price retraction immediately in the aftermath of the merge, not a huge explosion. That said, this brings me to the promised silver lining here. The merge may not solve all of Ethereum's problems or send Ether to 10K on day one in September, but it's a catalyst for something big, in my opinion. I believe that those casting doubt on Ethereum's future right now are in for a rude awakening, and not just for the price of Ether, but more so because the Layer 2-centric vision for Ethereum is escalating and maturing way faster than I even thought it would, and I am a supporter of Ethereum in many ways. The ZK rollups or zero-knowledge rollups that I mentioned earlier, such as ZK EVM and ZK Sync 2.0, are launching a year or more ahead of when I thought that they would be ready based on the technology maturity. And if Ethereum can scale on layer two with provable security derived from layer one, I don't see the large community of Ethereum users abandoning ship to other higher throughput layer ones. And it seems that a lot of the sophisticated institutional and high net worth investors, if you care about their opinion, of course, are also high on Ethereum and may share this thought, having accumulated Ether in recent times. If you look at data, it's pretty interesting. And if you look at the confluence of events in the world of Ethereum right now between Layer 2 technology maturity, the merge to proof of stake, the maturity of developer tooling and utilities, and a bear market that is ripe for building the next generation of decentralized applications, the next cycle of crypto euphoria could be one of the biggest for Ethereum in particular. And if you pair all of that with deflationary Ether supply in the range of negative half a percent to negative 4.5% net issuance, as estimated by the head of research at Into the Block, Lucas uh, Automoro, you have the recipe for happy Ether holders. 
Of course, the question marks, uh, some of the question marks remain, right? Regulatory, uh, macro market views, and all of these things are going to come into play without a doubt, or if the merge is delayed, but I think Ethereum is looking really good. In the same vein as this discussion around the Ethereum merge and its effect on Ether, let's also talk about its effect on ETC or Ethereum Classic, the old Ethereum fork that spawned from the notorious DAO hack back in 2016. Ethereum Classic, as you may know, still runs proof of work consensus, the very same mechanism that Ethereum is doing away with uh, for the post-merge consensus layer shift. Now, speculation is still abound regarding a potential contentious hard fork of Ethereum or other kerfuffle related to the merge because of all the Ethereum proof-of-work miners that are going to be displaced as the shift to proof-of-stake is consummated. And that speculation has now started to trickle into the world of Ethereum Classic with a lot of people betting that these miners displaced from Ethereum after the merge are going to take their specialized Ethereum mining hardware called ASICs and move on over to mine Ethereum Classic after the merge. This has triggered a nearly threefold increase in Ethereum Classic's price in a very short period of time. However, speculation is speculation at the end of the day, and it's really hard to say whether we will indeed see any tangible fundamental value prop change for Ethereum Classic post-merge, even if miners do move over. It's possible, but far from guaranteed. My own personal approach is to tread very carefully here because it's an unpredictable path ahead with regard to whether Ethereum Classic benefits from the merge or if this is simply a passing speculative run-up from people who are trying to make a little bit of money on a, on a crazy bet. In other news, reports broke this week about a leadership change at Algorand with CEO Stephen Kokinos, or Kokino, please tell me how to pronounce that name, stepping down from his post to focus on supporting key projects that will garner adoption for the Algorand blockchain into the future. At face value, I know it's a little strange to hear the term CEO in the context of a blockchain that is designed to be decentralized in nature. But really, it's just semantics. The foundation that supports the network has leadership, not unlike traditional companies. It's actually very common. Anyways, this change, to me, does not affect the trajectory of the Algorand network from my vantage point. And I think the COO, uh, with some continuity, is going to move into the CEO spot. The main pieces here, the main pieces of the technology roadmap are in place. That's the most important. You have the core scalable engine of Algorand still humming away with pure proof of stake. You have smart contract execution maturing, and you have future-focused tools like Algorand state proofs ready to be wielded in the next generation of crypto. The next step, it really is to cultivate that user community and developer community to get some top-tier dApps or decentralized applications on the network during the bear market phase, and then it's off to the races in the next bull market. Algorand is one project that I think did not get the credit it deserved in the last bull run, but it very well could in the next phase of growth for crypto if they play their cards right across tech, marketing, and building. I also want to point your attention to a rather significant change to Uniswap, the marquee decentralized exchange that really started it all in DeFi, if you really think about it. In fact, this is the biggest change to the fundamentals of Uniswap that I can remember in a while. Not a ton has changed recently. Uh, recently, the Uniswap community of token holders voted, unsurprisingly I might add, to introduce a percentage distribution of trading fees earned on the platform to holders of the UNI token. In other words, by way of governance, the Uniswap community voted to support a proposal that would allocate a percentage of trading fees paid by users of Uniswap to reward holders of the UNI token in addition to the existing trading fee reward that goes to liquidity providers on the platform. I believe the proposal was to take 0.05% of that 
0.3% that the uh, liquidity providers get and distribute 0.25% to liquidity providers and 0.05% to UNI holders. Of course, the price of UNI responded in kind with a nice jump in the wake of the news because people want rewards. However, this is a double-edged and potentially dangerous sword of an update, and I will withhold my full judgment until I see it implemented fully. That said, here's the crux of my trepidation. Liquidity is king. You need liquidity providers to provide the necessary liquidity to trade in pairs of tokens on Uniswap or any other DEX or decentralized exchange. Therefore, if liquidity providers feel that a reduction in rewards having to split with trading fees with UNI holders makes their overall risk reward calculation less than ideal or they're not profiting enough, they may take that precious liquidity elsewhere. And that's a bad outcome for Uniswap, including the UNI holders are trying to reward. Less liquidity means less trading, which means less rewards for everyone, right? So this is going to have to be executed very, very carefully with thought given to the side effects of what might seem to be a great thing for UNI holders up front, but a long-term issue in terms of liquidity. Anyways, let me know what you think in the comments. Now, I want to take a moment to thank the sponsor of today's episode, Over, who have been featured on the channel many a time for their mobile app metaverse experience that uses augmented reality to overlay the virtual world onto the real world. In that virtual world, of course, you have an avatar that you can trick out with all kinds of 3D uh, wearable assets. And now, Over has created a brand new platform on which brands and digital creators can design custom items for these virtual avatars in the form of NFT wearables. Users can buy, sell, and customize their avatar with these highly customizable wearable NFTs, and creators can design their own creations to be sold on the marketplace and engage with the community. It's great for brands and individual creators. So if you want to learn more about the Over Metaverse, get started with your own virtual avatar and a cool little outfit that you can create, or you want to create your own collection of wearable NFTs, head to the links in the description and check them out wherever you get your Crypto Over Coffee show. My friends, now you know what time it is. It's 4.04. That is 4.04 logic not found, not 4 p.m. A firecracker of a segment on the show where we bring attention to illogical happenings in the crypto space. And if you want to help this video or this podcast, depending on where you're watching or listening to, get some attention as well. Hit the like button, get subscribed, follow the podcast, share it with your friends. Whatever you can do is super appreciated and it helps the show grow. Today's logicless display is at the hands of Harmony One, the scalable EVM-compatible blockchain that recently suffered a huge $100 million bridge hack to its Horizon Bridge back in June. Now, I'm not even going to start with the hack itself because I feel that not enough was done to prevent that, and it was clearly a trending theme of high-value bridge hacks, and a lot of organizations did not do enough to secure them. But that's a story for another day. The focus of the segment here is on the response to this hack. The grand plan the Harmony team has hatched to fix this mess of $100 million of user funds being stolen. Quick coffee break before we talk about the proposal. In this proposal that was released to the community for comment to vote, the Harmony team outlined two equally ridiculous plans for recovery and remuneration. One, they can mint nearly 5 billion new one tokens to reimburse everyone 100% for losses. Or two, they can mint nearly 2.5 billion one tokens to reimburse on a 50% basis with a three-year vesting schedule. Mind you, the total supply of one tokens today is 13.5 billion, give or take. So that's either an instant 38% inflation of supply or a 20% inflation of supply, give or take which would almost certainly take the price of one from its two cent price point at the time of recording to something God knows where. 
This proposal met serious backlash from the community, and rightly so, because it is tone deaf, it is uninspired, and it would arguably destabilize the Harmony One network to the point of no return. The only solution is stability and growth over time, a natural recovery, which this proposal would likely snuff out any chance of. Everyone who received their inflation sandwich would just sell every single one token and head for the exit. I really hope, for the sake of everyone who was affected by this $100 million calamity, that Harmony, Harmony's team can think of a much better approach here, because this hyperinflation model is a 404 logic not found of epic proportions, and that is no secret. By the way, if you're interested in learning more about Polygon ZKEVM, one of the ZK rollups I talked about in the Ethereum segment of the show today, make sure to check out my explainer video. I'll link it up on the screen here. And there's also a link to that in the description on the podcast platform if you want to check it out. It tells you everything you need to know about it and why you should be paying attention to it. But that's going to do it for Crypto Over Coffee this weekend, my friends. Thank you so much for watching, and I wish you and your family a great week ahead. Until next time, cheers.